and welcome to Considerable Thought, a Care Church podcast. This is episode 10. It's a big one. I'm one of your hosts, Jaron Brandt, alongside my fellow host, uh, my friend, the Imperfect 10, Drew Gaylord. Drew, how are you this Thursday afternoon? It's a very fitting uh, nickname, especially as we're getting ready for a top 10. But, yeah, I don't uh, love it, but we discussed last uh, week on the podcast that because this is a big moment for us, our 10th anniversary as co-hosts, really, we don't even, it's not even the 10th anniversary of our show, it's just the 10th anniversary of our relationship being uh, recorded. Ah, okay. Gotcha. So it's a big deal. So we said, what do we want to do to make this thing special? And we're actually going to here in a little bit celebrate by doing something a little bit different in our Before Sunday segment. We always like to talk about things that are going on in our lives personally or professionally before we talk about this upcoming Sunday at Care Church and the passage that we will be reading. But because it's our 10th anniversary, we wanted to do a top 10 list. Drew, you and I, are uh, we go back and forth all the time in the office or just when we're hanging out about ranking things. Uh, we're always, you've sure. said at, uh, to the congregation multiple times that give you a list of anything and you will rank them. Oh, uh, absolutely. Is yeah. Would you say that that's a personality flaw of yours? It's both a flaw. I would, I would say that. That's it's both I, a flaw and a skill, uh, I would say. It's both, depending on the situation. And I appreciate you saying I'm the imperfect 10, which I'm assuming you think of yourself as the perfect 10. Yes, okay. that goes without saying. Okay. Yeah. Well, I don't it's think the, for everyone else it doesn't go without saying. Maybe for you it does. It's but. the yin and yang type relationship that we have. Yes. But uh, I'm excited that we are celebrating this together. Um, it's also kind of fun to be able to do this right in the middle of the Lent season. Um, it's really, we couldn't have asked for a better time to start this podcast leading up to Easter. This has been a good start. Uh, I'll be curious to see what this sounds like in the next 10, 20, 30 episodes as we keep going. Uh, we've gotten great feedback from our audience and our listeners who tune in every week, whether they actually join us on a Sunday morning. Sometimes they can't make it here uh, at Care Church on Sundays at 10 a.m., but they stay uh, in contact with us through the podcast. And so thank you for all the kind remarks um, and whatnot. Actually, Drew, I know you wanted to say something here in a second, but did we not have um, a, a listener question this last week? We always ask people to uh, chime in with any sort of questions on the show. Um, and I thought you had told me that someone had chimed in and, and asked us to answer something on air. So Yeah, this which, is a shout out to Michael Boyd, who... Uh, sent us a question, and we're actually going to do the question next week because this week we're dedicating this section to the top ten. Uh, oh, okay. So next week we're going to get to his question, but shout out to Michael for sending it in. Uh, and so tune in next week to hear that question and us talk about it. Very good. And if we want to have more questions for that, for the first time we actually answer a question on our podcast, send in some after this episode and we'll make that section next week something really important. Drew, let's not uh, dilly-dally any longer, if that's okay with you. Do you want to mention anything about your personal professional, just because this is a habit that we have? Are you okay with... I'm good. Let's just go to the top ten. Let's just that's go straight good. to the top ten. Yeah. So, welcome to a very special edition of Before Sunday. This week on Considerable Thought, Before Sunday is a top ten list. Drew, you and I all last week went back and forth on what we wanted this top ten list to be. You want to share with the audience some of the things that we didn't decide on, some of the things that didn't make uh, the cut, I guess, for uh, this episode? Well, one of the ones that I thought would be fun, that's probably just me, is uh, top 10 favorite words. And so uh, that's I, just, just I spent a lot of time thinking about <laughs> words and what the best words are. And 
Uh, and so things like that, you know, top 10 things, favorite things about our church was another idea. And we may come back to that at some point. We might come back to that. Yeah. I, you know, I had said that there's too many. There's too many things I love about this church. That, that is I would, true. I would need a top 100. That is it. true. Uh, no, we, it would be fun to do a top 10. Right, right. Top and 10 so, for sure. And uh, top 10 favorite people at Care Church? Uh, no. Yes. <laughs> no, that, that's just a joke. But uh, Top 10 family members. Exactly. Yeah. And so, uh, anyway, there's a few others, but we may revisit some of those in, in the future. But you came up with the idea of 10 favorite lines from the Bible. That's right. So a couple episodes ago, we had talked about uh, you had done this March Madness uh, just kind of thinking thing about, okay, if there was a bracket of books of the Bible, who would want? That was a really fun conversation. And I didn't want to retread that type of territory. And I also didn't want to get into kind of a, a seemingly stereotypical top 10 list of like your just favorite verses in scripture. So the top 10 lines in the Bible, I said, I think I wrote down the top 10 best lines in the Bible. I wanted to treat it more like your favorite lines of a movie or favorite lines of a song or of a book. So it doesn't necessarily, it's not necessarily the the verse or the passage that brings you some sort of uh, deep understanding or you have some, maybe you don't necessarily have emotional attachment to it. You just think, oh man, that's a great line. Uh, thinking about the Bible as a book or a story that we read often. So um, we really spent some time with this uh, list. This, uh, for our listeners, this is the first time that Drew and I are sharing the list with one another as well. So this is all going to, our reactions will be uh, genuine. Uh, my frustration is real when I hear a terrible choice for his top 10. And likewise, when it goes the other exactly. way around. Exactly. And I, I'm just guessing that we're going to have at least one in common. Let's, yes. And, and when we get to it, I'll, I'll if, if it happens, I'll point out. And if we don't, if it doesn't happen... I'll mention that after we're done, too. That's good. Actually, I wanted to say, let's make some bets real quick before we begin this process. How many do you think we have in common? That's one thing I want to I say answer. Don't answer yet. The other is, uh, what's the division between Old and New Testament on, on our list? Do you have any guesses on on mine? And I'll guess yours. And I, I'll, I'll count while, uh, while you're guessing. So I I'm guess. counting right now. So uh, I'm going to guess that more than half are from the Old Testament for you. More than half? Yeah. Okay. So I guess we can answer this at the end. So you'll have more you'll right have now. more from the the Hebrew Bible than you do from the New Testament. That's a fair assumption. That's I just, would say it's the I would say you're going to be 40 60 60 being new, 40 being old. Okay. Which 64 I I could have just said 6 out of 4 cuz we're doing a top 10, but I wanted to yeah, to show off over. your percentage of math skills. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. And then what was my other question? Oh, how many do we have in common? You think one? Uh there's one in particular I think we'll have in common, but uh and I'll, I'll just leave it there. I think we will have one in common. I think that we will have two in common, okay. and I think a third one will be on your honorable mention list. Okay. Like, I, it's in my list, and you were like, oh, I was close to picking that. Okay. That's my guess. All right. Words of Jesus, you want to do one more? Um, I, I, We can. I think uh, at least three of yours are Words of Jesus, and okay. I think I could probably go up to four. Okay. I, um, we'll get, we'll talk about more of that at the end. So, okay. That's a good guess. I guess, okay. I guess it, I'll say one of yours is words of Jesus. Wow. What does that say about me? 
It's because I already, you already said I was majority Hebrew Bible. Yeah, so, I had to do yeah. something. So anyway. Okay. okay, let's just get into it. I'm really excited about this. How do we want it? We're going to do back and forth, 10, 9, all the way down to 1. Do you want to intro and we'll just go back and forth? Yeah, I'll, I'll start since I'm the imperfect 10, and then perfect. you can finish yeah, as makes, the perfect 10. Yeah, that makes And so you can always sense. correct my choices as we go through as this. As I will. So number 10, top 10 best lines in the Bible. Drew, what is your number 10? Okay, number 10 for me, I start at the end of the Bible. And actually, the last, the last. <laughs> I don't know why that's funny to me, but it is. Yeah. It just it makes sense. The okay, last uh, two verses, actually, but it's like one thought. Um, and so Jesus is talking here. and says, "Yes, I am coming soon." And then John rep- re- follows that up with, "Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus mm. be with God's people. Amen." I just love the ending of Scripture. Uh, you have this whole story, and Jesus just reminds us, "I'm coming soon." And then this final thought of just. The grace of God be with God's people. That just kind of sums up the journey for me. And so number 10 is where the Bible ends for me. Cool. That's a good one. My number 10 comes out of left field, and it's not anything like that at all. It is actually, when I think about best lines in the Bible, this one comes to my mind, not because it was mine to start with, but it was one of my good friends, one of my earliest Bible teachers. This was one of his favorite lines because it made him laugh. And I remember him quoting this line all the time just just to say that now, Who writes this, you know? And this line comes out of the KJV. King James Version is how I had it memorized. And I'm going to just read it from you. It's from the book of Daniel. And I'm going to set the scene. It is uh, Belshazzar, I believe, is partying hard. um, And he has asked for um, the goblet and uh, some sort of pieces from the temple of God to be used in this party. And uh, and then this is this is the this is the quote, the line from uh, Daniel five says in the same hour came forth fingers of a man's hand and wrote over against the candlestick upon the plaster of the wall of the king's palace. And the king saw the part of the hand that wrote. And this is where it gets good. Then the king's countenance was changed. His thoughts troubled him so that the joints of his loins were loosed and his knees smote one against another. Anyway, his, the, some good imagery right there. Yeah, <laughs> the joints of his loins were loosed, and his knees smote one against the other. Yeah. NIV. I'm, I'm just glad says, you repeated that last part. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The NIV says like, and his knees were knocking or something like that, okay. and that's just yeah. that's funny. So yeah. that's a line. I wanted to start simple, and I'm gonna get more into the uh, the things that were personally impacting. But that's the first line that came to my mind. Daniel five. Okay, that's a good one. So for number nine, I might as well stick with Revelation because I have two from Revelation. Wow, that's I wouldn't have guessed that. Yeah, so uh, Revelation three, verse sixteen. There's a lot of good three sixteen verses throughout is, the Bible. That is true. Uh, yeah. The f- most famous one is obviously is John three sixteen. First John three sixteen. Yeah, that's another good yeah. one. Uh, but Revelation three sixteen actually makes the list for me. And this is G- Jesus' words to uh, a church, is how it's the context of Revelation. Uh, but this is, this is the line. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now, the actual, if you did a literal verbatim translation, is I'm about to vomit you out of my mouth. And so just the imagery of that, that when we're lukewarm, it makes Jesus sick to his stomach, so much so that he vomits us out of his mouth. And I know that's graphic imagery, but that's that's what the words are. And so it's one of my favorite lines to show how much being lukewarm actually nauseates Christ. Yeah, you know, it's a good line when people use it still today in almost everyday conversation, right? That line is, is brought up a lot. That's a sign of a good line. My number nine is this very similar thing. Uh, Genesis 4, very popular. Where is your brother Abel? 
he responds, I don't know, am I my brother's keeper? Uh, That's a line that it doesn't matter if you're quoting scripture or not, or on purpose at least. Um, That's thrown around all the time. And I believe, is this the first question that's asked of God? Am I correct in saying this? That's immediately what comes to my mind. I feel like I'm on base there. Yeah, because God asked Adam and Eve questions. It's the and first then they, time, and then they blame each other. But then the first question is asked. Yeah, yeah. And am I my brother's keeper? Is a question we still ask today. And I believe that in the in the person of Jesus, we find out. Yes, you know that's that is our call. That is a great line. So yeah. that's a great line. Um, number eight. Number eight. Uh, I'm I'm sticking with the new here. Uh, in a similar thought to the last one. This is from Paul in Philippians three. So Paul is writing this letter to Christians, and he's setting up the importance of just the essence of our faith and how. The resurrection, death and resurrection of Christ is just really the only thing that matters. And so he, he sets up this line by saying he has a lot to, that he could be proud of. Um, you know, as he looks back at his background, his heritage, his studies, his degrees, his, his kind of place in, the, in Judaism. He has a lot that he could bank on. Uh, but as he considers all this, he says, I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. So again, this is where uh, the translation softened the word to make it more palatable for us to hear and, and think about. But the word itself is actually excrement or crap. And so it's like he considers all of his accomplishments, many of them good things, uh, learning and even aspects of his faith. He considers all of that to be excrement or garbage uh, compared to gaining Christ. And so that just whatever we want to be proud of, it's it's garbage. It's crap. Yeah. Compared that, to getting Christ. That made my honorable mention. Didn't make my top 10, but that's that was close for me. Um, I'll stick with a similar, uh, you know, uh, line of thinking. This is uh, in Romans. Romans chapter 6, verses uh, 1 and just the first part of 2 is one of my favorite lines. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? And then the next line is one of my favorites. Uh, of course not is the version that I read growing up that I would always quote or say to myself. Uh, NIV says by no means. Um, you can look up all these different versions, but it's just Paul just yelling, no, no, that's not what it means at all. And I remember when I that first was written on my heart and mind, uh, it made a big deal in my life. And that's something I still go back to over and over again. So shall we, shall we keep doing this? No, of course not. By no means. We have died to sin. How can we live in it? any longer so just love that line from romans another great thought uh something i'll pause here we should have also asked is how many uh, lines from paul well, are going to make the list we asked about jesus but anyway we'll, i'll we'll, tell you i think that's my only one okay so um, I'll just spoiler alert yeah anyway that's just another uh, curiosity number six right is where we are or no, no number, seven, number seven. seven sorry number seven uh so i'm going to the old testament for number seven and this is ecclesiastes chapter one and verse two um and uh, Ecclesiastes, we believe, is written by Solomon, uh, who was a person of uh, had a lot of wisdom, uh, a lot of power, a lot of wealth. Uh, and so he begins this, uh, this letter with these words, meaningless, meaningless, says the teacher, utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. I just love that thought, even though it's, it's definitely dark and can bring us down. Uh, but he goes through this, le- this letter and talks about, you know, wealth and knowledge, very similar to what Paul has said about they're all rubbish. You know all the things that we kind of place value on in life. It when it all gets when it gets down to it, it's it's meaningless. And he ends this letter by talking about all the only thing that matters is just uh, your relationship with God, fearing God, and keeping His commands. And so uh, all of this stuff we're chasing after ultimately it, it's it's all meaningless in some sense. And so 
Uh, again, very similar to what Paul has just said from in my quote, but uh, I just love that line. That is good. Uh, I'm going to the Old Testament as well for this one. Um, this one is found in Job. It's Job chapter 38. For those of you who uh, don't know the story of Job, a righteous man um, is then placed in the middle of this almost divine competition between uh, the adversary and God and says, oh, you can do everything you want to this guy. He's not going to curse me, um, but just don't take his life. And so everything happens to Job. And the majority of the book is him talking to his friends or praying or crying about just everything that's happening in his life. It's a book full of suffering and people are throwing the blame in all these different directions and God has yet to speak. And so in verse third or in chapter 38, God finally speaks. And so you have almost you have 37 chapters of people just almost guessing and, and grieving and talking about this tragedy. And you haven't heard from God yet. And so God's opening lines is one of my favorite lines in all of scripture. Who is this that obscures my plans with words without knowledge? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you. You shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you understand who marked off its dimensions. Surely you know. Um, that's what I would call savage. I mean, that's just a, that's an amazing opening line. And then he just goes on for verses and verses in a few chapters of just like, okay, let me talk and let me listen to who I am. And that opening line is gold. It's awesome. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great one. And uh, that's definitely one of my honorable mentions. So uh, there's, there it is. There's, 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 there's my a, one. There's at least one. Okay. So, um, yeah. And so we're at num- now we're at number six. Number six. So number six, uh, bounce back to the New Testament. Uh, and actually from uh, one of the shortest books of the Bible, Philemon. And uh, it's a line from verse 17 of this just one chapter book. Uh, and Paul is writing to Philemon, and he is, the whole point of this letter is for uh, uh, for Philemon to give Onesimus his freedom. Onesimus is a slave, and uh, a lot of people use uh, verses from the New Testament in particular to justify slavery in the past. And so uh, you kind of miss the whole picture of Scripture if you think there's uh, scriptural endorsement of any kind of practice of enslaving other people. And so, uh, but here Paul is is writing this to Philemon, and he says this, so if you consider me a partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. Uh, and there's so many good lines in this letter. Uh, and so but I picked that one because uh, it's powerful thought. Uh, as we think about all the injustices in our world, what can we do if we don't, if we're not the lawmakers, if we're not the ones choosing what is lawful and what isn't, what can we do? Well, we can go to people and we can plea on the basis of love as Paul does. And we can say, hey, if you consider me a friend, welcome this person as a friend as well. And so I, I think it just uh, it's just a great way uh, to think about how we can do something, even when we don't have power. Yeah. My number six, going back to the first book of the Bible, Genesis, and it is in the story of Joseph. Uh, maybe you've seen the musical or heard some of the songs from Joseph and the Technicolor Dreamcoat, uh, Andrew Lloyd Webber. Uh, but this is the story found in Scripture, and it's near the end of Joseph's story where he has been sold into slavery by his brothers. And um, he actually does really well in Egypt, uh, gets a lot of power for himself. And he gets in a position where he is actually over, uh, he has authority over his brothers. His brothers need food and a place to be. And uh, he has this power and the uh, brothers are nervous that what, you know, what goes around comes around, right? They're, they're nervous that uh, Joseph's going to punish them or actually make them 
his slaves and they're okay with it at this point they're like just make us your slaves we're good thank you for feeding us thank you for for bringing us here um and joseph says this don't be afraid am i in the place of god you intended to harm me but god intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives what god intended for evil or what uh, you intended for evil god intended for good. Uh, what a line and just a, a great story to end that first book of the Bible, Genesis. So uh, really excited uh, to be able to share that story. Actually, I love sharing. This is a cool top 10 list for me because I don't know who, I don't know who all listens to this. So all the, revisiting these lines make me go back and uh, relive these stories again. So I'm, I'm happy great. to be doing this. That's, that's great. And this is honorable mention number two uh, for me. I have, I have probably... Two? Okay, I'm keeping a tally. Yeah, so I have like a uh, enough for two top tens. I just and then narrow it down from there. But anyway, uh, this, we're at number five. Five. Right? And so number five for me is uh, returning back to the Old Testament. Second uh, Samuel chapter twelve verse seven. Uh, set it up briefly, and uh, David has uh, he's king. He has many wives, all this wealth and all this power, and he sees Bathsheba, and he wants to take her for his own. So he does, and then has her husband killed, and uh, and, and and so she is now. Uh, pregnant, and so there's this uh, scandal of sorts that uh, is happening. And Nathan, a prophet, comes to David, tells him a story about a rich uh, man who had all kinds of sheep and goats and livestock, and uh, and then there's this poor man who only had one, and raised this lamb as if the lamb were a daughter, would even uh, cull up with it at night. And so this powerful man comes and takes uh, the only lamb that this person has, and Nathan tells a story, and David is outraged. Uh, who could do such a thing? Uh, and then Nathan said, here's the line, says to David, you are this man. Uh, and it's just a great line. Oh, it's yeah. just, you, you, it's, I mean, you just, how do you, how do you get through to someone who is lost themselves, mm-hmm. who is wayward, uh, and a prophet comes and just gets him with this story and, uh, and it convicts David. David does all he can to make amends. Uh, and so anyway, I just love that line. You are the man. Honorable mention number two. That was my second one. It didn't make the list. You thought it was in my list. I actually thought it was in your list. That's, that's, yeah. that's the one I thought you would have. But Yeah. No, I didn't. But, I mean, again, it's only yeah. ten. You can only have so much. What's funny is my number five means that I'm revisiting Genesis for the third time. I've always been a huge fan of Genesis. I've probably read it more than any... Uh, I mean, I've probably read some uh, Paul letters more than I've read Genesis. But for uh, the size that Genesis is, I've read it... Uh, just a lot. I just love all the stories. It's just the the foundation of of our faith, uh, the story of of that family. So anyway, just love it. This is my third uh, number five is from Genesis eighteen, and this is a humorous one. This is I would say Drew I think is the funniest verse in the in, in the entire Bible. Okay. Most you might not agree with me. Our listeners won't agree with me, but I think this is the funniest. Um, Abraham and Sarah uh, want a kid, and an angel uh, comes to. Um, to them and says, okay, Sarah, you will have this kid, right? It's going to happen. They're both really, really old. I think, you know, maybe even over a hundred at this point. And uh, Sarah laughs at the idea of her and Abraham having a child. And the Lord said to Abraham, why did Sarah laugh and say, well, I really have a child now that I am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return to you at the appointed time next year. And Sarah, you will have a son. Sarah was afraid so she lied and said, I did not laugh. But he said, yes, you did laugh. <laughs> I, I just, I, that makes, that makes me laugh every time that uh, she's obviously being caught and she just point blank says, I, I didn't laugh. And the response is, 
But he said, yes, you did laugh. And of course, they named their son, which means laughter. So it's just another layer. It's a great story. It's it's hilarious. That's a great line. I love it. All right. So that was the beginning of our top five. We're going to go into number four now. Drew, number four. So number four, uh, you mentioned Genesis. This is where number four for me is in Genesis. And uh, a lot of great stories in Genesis, a lot of of possibilities. Uh, You have some good ones you chose. And so I went to Genesis. thank thank you. Yeah. I I went to Genesis 38. And uh, this is a story of Judah and Tamar. And so Judah uh, has uh, sons, and his oldest son, as he grows up, he finds Tamar uh, for his for his wife. Uh, his oldest son does what is evil on the side of the Lord and, and dies because of it. Uh, so as was the custom, he gives his uh, second son in marriage to Tamar so they can have an heir uh, that would be in the line of his firstborn. And so uh, his second son actually... Uh, tries to get around this and actually, I mean, I'm not going to get graphic, but he takes matters into his own hands to make sure that he doesn't produce an heir with uh, Tamar. And so this is a family show. So thank you. Exactly. And so, uh, so he ends up uh, doing what is evil and also dying. And so Judah, instead of blaming himself or his own sons, actually blames Tamar for what's happened. And so he tells her he's going to give his third son when he's old enough in marriage, but actually is not, has no intention of doing so. Uh, and so he gets old enough and doesn't do this. Judah's wife dies. And so Tamar is, uh, has no power, has nothing for herself, except this promise has been given that is not going to be fulfilled. And so she uh, poses as a prostitute and sleeps with Judah because he goes to sleep with a prostitute. He gives her his, uh, his seal as a, as a sign that he's going to send her some sort of payment. Uh, she keeps it and disappears, doesn't receive the payment that comes in. She becomes pregnant. Uh, they report this to Judah. He has her come. He's going to have her actually uh, stoned to death. Uh, he is so angry that she has done this. Um, and then this is her line. When Judah says, bring her out and have her burned to death, Tamar says, I am pregnant by the man who owns these. And then she added, see if you recognize whose seal and cord and staff these are. Uh, and so she gets Judah and said, Judah realizes I'm the one who's done this. Uh, and then his response to her is, you are more righteous than I. Uh, and it just it's just a great line, a great way to show that uh, Tamar had no power. She took matters, she did what she could to to be a part of the promise. And uh, she is seen as more righteous than uh, than Judah. And so to me, it helps us understand what righteous really means. It's about being faithful to the promise. Uh, even if actions seem weird to others, if you're faithful to the promise, you're righteous. Uh, so it's just a great line for me. Believe it or not, that did not make my honorable mention. <laughs> so. I'm not surprised at all that it didn't. Yeah. Uh, no, that is good. And I've actually, uh, that story, I remember I first heard that story on uh, a Mother's Day when I was in elementary school. Is that the best time to hear uh, the story of Tamar? I don't know, but that was the, I remember that that was the first time I ever heard it. It's was, as good as any, I guess. Yeah. Day. Um, all right, what are we on? Is this number four? Th- oh, no, I, I just did four. I'm yeah. doing four as yeah. well. Four, uh, we're going to First Samuel, a story of David in his youth. 1 Samuel 17 is known as the place where David and Goliath, uh, that famous story, is held. Um, so my one of my favorite lines is from that story, um, and it's when uh, Saul is worried that David can't handle Goliath, even though he's like, I can do it, let me fight. Um, and this is what David says, great line, The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. And then Saul said to David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Uh, yeah. Anyway, just a great line. The paw of the lion, the paw of the bear, will be, I'll be uh, rescued from the hand of the Philistine. And it's just a reminder that um, God's faithfulness and his uh, 
promises to deliver and his protection over you is uh, lifelong. And to be able to look back at the way that God has been moving and say, oh, I've been prepared for a time like this. Or if I'm, even if you don't feel prepared, you at least have something to hang your hat on and go, oh no, I can look at the faithfulness of God and, and I can count on that, even if there's a giant in front of me. So great line, great story. Number three. Number three. This is uh, the top three. So now we're, we're getting into... We're in the top three. And I'm going to guess that your top three are all words of Jesus. And you're, you're wrong. Really? So, yeah. Oh, I, I felt good about that one. Yeah. That's a good guess, though, from what you know of me. Yeah. Uh, number three is actually in Exodus. Uh, Exodus oh. 1. And I'm mad so, that I didn't get any Exodus quotes in my... You should be. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I'm disappointed as well. Anyway. I could have given at least one of my Genesis ones exactly. to, to Exodus. Uh, so Exodus 1... Uh, you had one of Joseph's right, lines of the story. Close. I was close. And so Joseph uh, is second in command, basically, in Egypt and saves them from uh, what would have been disastrous famine. And uh, and so in his line, the Hebrew people come over and live in Egypt. And so they become many in number. And the Pharaoh of Egypt is scared of how numerous the Hebrew people are. And so he responds uh, by enslaving them. And so as part of his kind of just fear of these people, he gives an order uh, to the Hebrew midwives, whose names were Shipra and Puah, he says, when you're helping them deliver uh, their babies, if it's a boy, kill them. Uh, if it's a girl, let her live. And so uh, the midwives, it says, they feared God and did not do what the king of Egypt had told them to do. Uh, and so he hears that the boys are not being killed, so he calls them in. Uh, and, and he says, why have you done this? Why have you let the boys live? And Shipra and Puah say this, Hebrew women are not like Egyptian women. They are vigorous and give birth before the midwives arrive. Uh, so I love it because it's not exactly truthful, but it's a way for them to say, we care more about what God wants than what you have told us to do. But they also were very wise and did it in a way that they can still stay in their role as midwives and keep saving the, the male children. Because yeah. if they came clean and said, hey, what we're doing, they would have been put to death. Others would have been put in their place and perhaps... Uh, Moses himself would have been killed instead of saved. But anyway, I just love that response to an unjust command. And then when they're called in, they're wise enough to give an answer that helps them keep saving children. Yeah, and even if you don't uh, focus on, like, you, I love what you said about just kind of the deeper meaning of what's happening in the story. But just the line that these women are more, what was it, more vigorous? <laughs> yeah, than, it's, it's a great. This, that's just a great line, even if there wasn't any deeper meaning. To exactly. It. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is a great line. You're that's right. That's good. Uh, my number three is uh, Jesus made it. He's in. He's in my list. He's at number three. I was worried. <laughs> he's a uh, and uh, this comes from what I would call a mic drop moment. Uh, actually, there's there's one. There's a few more that are that I have in the top uh, three. But if you want to know the story of Jesus, and someone gives you the Bible, and they say, "Hey, you should just start at the beginning of the New Testament," so you'll end up in the book of Matthew. And you'll read through Matthew, and that'll be your first really introduction to Jesus if you're given the Bible as we have it today. And so when you get to chapter 28, where Matthew ends, you have the ending of this first gospel with these words by Jesus. He said, all authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And the last sentence in the first book of this gospel, or the first uh, gospel in the New Testament, is, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Close the book. You know, like that's just a, what a what an ending, what a last line, very reminiscent of um, the way that Revelation ends in a lot of ways, just that really great uh, finishing touch. 
And it's a reminder of who Jesus is at the very beginning of the story. He is God with us. He is Emmanuel. At the end of the story, he is still with us. And so just a great, great conclusion, great line to end the end the book. Great. Well, I'll go to, straight to number two. It's a good one. I'll stick with Jesus. Jesus makes, uh, again, shows up in my list at number two, not for the first time for me. Uh, but, yeah. yeah, and so uh, as I think about there with the words of Jesus, I mean, there's, it's hard to pick just a couple, you know, to make your top ten. But I think about how different Gospels do this in different ways, about what's most important. You know, the great commands kind of is expressed in different ways in different Gospels. And I love Luke 10 because it puts it in the form of a story. And so uh, for me, if you had kind of one story to take uh, and live by, this would be my choice. It, it would be hard to pick this over stories like maybe the prodigal son or something like that. But I would pick the story of the Good Samaritan. That would be my choice. And yeah. and so this uh, this kind of expert in the law comes and questions Jesus about what's most important, what's the greatest commands, love God, love neighbor, and ask this question. Uh, and actually does well. And Jesus says, yeah, you're on the right track. And uh, this is, well, who is my neighbor? And that's where he gets off track. Whenever we start thinking about who is worthy of my love, we're off track. And so Jesus tells a story to emphasize this point of the Good Samaritan who uh, there's someone who's beat up on the side of the road and needs help. and uh, people you would think would stop and help, you know, priests and Levites don't. They keep going. Uh, and then the Samaritan, who you would think, at least if you lived back then, would be the last person that would actually stop and help, actually does. Uh, and so Jesus ends this story by asking the question to this expert in the law, which of these three, the priest, Levite, and Samaritan, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law had no choice but to reply, the one who had mercy on him. And th- here's the line. Jesus says, go and do likewise. So that's the story I would pick, and that's the line I would go with yeah. uh, as I think about how to live out the great commands, how to go and actually embody the way of Jesus is to go and do this likewise. Yeah, that that didn't make my list or honorable mention, but it's interesting listening to you talk about your favorite line in that story because mine, if I were going to choose one in that story, it would probably be that question, who is my neighbor? Mm-hmm. Uh, that that resonates with me yeah. a lot. Um, looking back at my list so far, about to get into the top that are number one a lot of my lines are actually questions which is hmm, that's just a, i didn't mean that mean it to be that way but yeah. i don't know just something i wanted to point out to our listeners that that's interesting yeah. that's the, those are the things that resonate with me i wonder how many other people would feel that way versus like uh, go and do likewise right. as a command which that actually resonates with a lot of people too including myself so all right i got off track what am i on to number two for you Oh, this is my uh, another Jesus one, and uh, let me pull it up. Let's see, I, I wrote it down so I could read it verbatim. Uh, oh, here it is. It's in well, it's in a few of the different Gospels, but the one I chose is found in Mark, and it is when Pharisees and teachers of the law, and I think in one of the versions it's uh, said spies are trying to capture him or trap him in this tricky question about whether. Uh, Jesus or uh, the Jews should pay taxes. And so uh, 15, should we pay or shouldn't we? But Jesus knew their hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me? Bring me a a denarius and let me look at it. So I love that already. Like, bring me this. And, and, you know, he goes and uses it as a teaching aid. They brought the coin and he asked them, whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said, give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's, what is God's, and they were amazed at him. Hmm. Um, another just kind of mic drop moment where uh, this really tricky, multifaceted question is being brought to Jesus, 
and he kills it. I mean, like you couldn't have answered it even better. And it reminds modern day readers like me about, okay, now whose image am I bearing? What's the, what's my inscription look like? Am I giving to God? What is God's? Um, and it shows Jesus kind of, uh, Oh, I'm going to say the wrong word, but, uh, the fact that he doesn't have a coin on him, like he, like he doesn't have it on him at all, and he, it almost could probably seem flippant to maybe some listeners of the time that, like, yeah, this isn't me, this isn't you, you just give it away. It says a lot about money as well, and yeah, I just true. love, yeah. I, I love that answer. I think he, I mean, I, Jesus doesn't need me to compliment him, but he, <laughs> he couldn't have done it better. <laughs> so you like questions, you also like kind of uh, savage moments. Use a phrase savage. From earlier, yes, that's right, uh, with God. Responding to Joe, and that's really and mic drop moments, or yeah, yeah. Sav- savagery, mic drops, questions, and comedy. Those are my, those uh, are, yes. which is why I I wanted to structure this top ten as best lines because if I was restricted to favorite passages, I felt like it had to be something that I could put on a bumper sticker, and I'm not gonna put. Um, yes, you did laugh on a bumper sticker. Like your knees shaking and loins being unraveled that's on right. your bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> Unwrap the loins weren't unraveled; they were loosed. Oh. Loosed. I think of loosed as, uh, as unraveling, but that's probably my my error. All right, um, and the number <laughs> Drew, I'm gonna I'll, I'll tell you how long we spent on this segment, but it was totally worth it. Yeah. Uh, number oh, one, do you want me to you start? You want me to just do my number one? I'll give it to you. Okay, you can end, sure. You can end. With I'll me. end it. Yeah. My number one surprise, surprise is found in the Old Testament, and it's one that still resonates with me today. It's a brilliant line and incredibly powerful. And it's found in Esther, which some would argue is one of the least, uh, quote unquote, godly books of the Bible because it's uh, God's references and God's uh, providence are not explicitly mentioned. Uh, it's kind of in the in the background, but it's a great story. And uh, Esther's in a weird position with uh, she has maybe has the potential to change the king's mind uh, about the uh, fate of her people. And Mordecai is trying to convince her to uh, speak up, and maybe she's in a in a perfect time like this. And that's the that's the line that most people remember is maybe you're here for a time such as this. But before that happens, um, Mordecai sent back word to Esther and said that these words to her: "Do not think that because you are in the king's house, you alone of all the Jew- Jews will escape. For if you remain silent at this time." Relief and deliverance for the Jews will rise from another place, but you and your families, you and your father's family will perish. And then it says, and who knows, but that you've come to your role position for such a time as this. That's a great line, but I think the better line is if you remain silent, relief and deliverance will come from a different place. And as someone uh, who struggled in in late high school, early college with feeling like a, uh, you know, with pride or with some sort of. I'm chosen by God to do something really, really great and amazing and almost felt like, oh man, God, you need me here. Like you really need me. And uh, this is a huge reminder that uh, God is bigger than me and bigger than everything. And uh, he wants you to be a part of his story, but man, he doesn't need you. I mean, he's he, he's going to deliver his people one way or the other. And how honored would it be? How great would it be if you got to be a part of that? And that's I that's my number one line uh in scripture at least now ask me next year it might move down on the list uh or whatever but right now that's that's huge for me that's a good one and uh although i didn't have 
any lines from the Esther story, as Honorable mentioned, it's one of the stories I thought about because I love the Esther story. And so uh, definitely a good choice. Uh, this probably won't surprise you, but my number 10 was the last line of the Bible. My number one is the first line of the Bible. And so that uh, just seemed like a good place to go. But I also... I wish, I wish that surprised me. And so, uh, but also there's, there's this... Uh, Whenever we were doing senior quotes in high school, uh, we, you know, I spent probably more time than anyone else in our class thinking about what I wanted my senior quote to be. Yeah. And so uh, there was many different versions of this. Uh, it ended up not going with this one. But one of my ideas was to say, in the beginning, dot, 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 amen, uh, come quickly, Lord Jesus. It's a way to say my, my quote is like the Bible. Um, yeah. end up going a different direction, but uh, I, I love... Uh, <laughs> it didn't make the cut, yeah, so but I, it was a good idea. I kind of feel guilty a little bit. I should have gone with that. But um, Genesis 1, 1 and 2, uh, just how the, the Bible begins is my, is my favorite line. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. Uh, and I just love that, uh, how the Scripture begins. And sometimes our lives feel chaotic and dark, and God's Spirit is there. Uh, bringing order to chaos, bringing love to despair, light to darkness. Um, I also use this, and it shows up in humorous ways in, in my life. Uh, really, really quick, short backstory. When I was growing up, I'm the oldest of three uh, siblings, and uh, we'd often get in kind of contest to who uh, had done something more. And for instance, if they said, oh, well, I, I've done this in infinity times, and I, I'd already said, well, whatever you say, plus one. Uh, I would say, I still I still have one more. And how can you have one more than infinity? I was like, well, I'm the oldest. I make the rules. I, I win. And so uh, my, <laughs> my siblings are probably in therapy because of how I was as an older yeah. sibling. But uh, but that continued with my, my kids. We joke around about who said something first. And I would often uh, say, well, I was born before you. And then they would, it would kind of go from there. And I would just say, I said it, uh, or this happened, or I did this when the spirit was hovering over the waters. <laughs> and so that's like the ultimate go-to line to see who said something first. And so... I have immense pride when this comes up and either my son or my daughter jumps to that quickly and says, I said it or did this when the spirit hovered over the waters. I just, it's probably the pride I say I'm as a parent. Yeah, I was going to say, that's actually really cool. Yeah, whenever, whenever that happens. And so, um, but this it just sets the whole tone for the Bible. So number one for me is the first thought of scripture. Yeah, that's great. I love that because um, it's just, it's like the Gaylor version of, uh, you know, during the Ice Age or during the prehistoric times or back in Nam, you know, like exactly. that's, that's yeah, your, yeah. Uh, that's funny. I like that a lot. Man, that was a lot of fun. Uh, a quick recap of our top 10. Um, we had zero in common. So yeah, the uh, one I thought was one of your honorable mentions. Yeah, so, we had yeah. both of us had had uh, lines in ours that almost made the other one. So we were around the same uh in the same uh, vein of thought. So you said, how many did you say I was going to have from Jesus? I said you were going to have three. And and how many did you have? There was three. One was from Luke and two were from Revelation, which most people Woo! don't think of Revelation, but both the lines from Revelation were Jesus. Oh, were they in red? Yeah. Oh. They then, were in red. Yeah. Well, then. Red letters. <laughs> that's, yeah, yeah. That's, so you nailed that that's one. That's divine. Yeah. Uh, you missed your old versus new, though, because I was half I said 60-40. Yeah, I was 50-50. And you, you, and you intentionally went 50-50. Why did I not think you that? Known I should have known that. You should have known I was going to be balanced. Yeah. yeah. I should have known that. Um, I had seven. I was 70-30. Uh, so I thought you'd be six old, right? Yeah. I said, yeah. yeah. Uh, no, I thought you just said majority. Oh, yeah. I did say majority. At least six. I said majority. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So I, I got that one. Yeah, um, I had three from Genesis, two words of Jesus. I only said you had one. Yeah, come on. I know. Two. I made yeah. two, and they were in the top three. Yeah. Both were in the top three. And I had one Paul letter. 
and the Paul letter was in even in the top five. Yeah, I had two from Paul, three from Jesus. So those were my New Testament. And what's another thing that I think was interesting about this process, because again, we just did this for the first time right now, recorded, is just the way that we think about favorite lines is very different. Right. I, I appreciate yours greatly. I'm sure you the same would be said oh, absolutely. the other way yeah. around, but very uh, different kind of thought processes of, okay, what makes a line in scripture truly great? Um, that was a lot of fun. I I would love for anyone who's listening to contact us. Man, I am spitting all over your paper today. It's okay. It's okay. I'll wipe it off later. Um, I would love for anyone to, uh, who's listening to let us know what would make your top 10. You could make a top 10 list for us. That'd be a lot of fun, just, uh, just an interaction with our audience. But if you just have, okay, this is a number one, or maybe you're really mad because somehow uh, me or Drew just completely missed a no-brainer. I don't know what that is. This is a time where if we were on YouTube, we'd say, like, write in the comments below. But uh, just... And we, we probably did miss one. It should oh, be a no-brainer. Oh, I, I just, I'm sure. I'm yeah. sure. But uh, that was a lot of fun. I look forward to the next time we do something like this. And I have some ideas already just because of how fun this was to keep this type of conversation going in the future of, of this podcast or just... Uh, yeah, maybe every 10 episodes just for the or public. whatever. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's going to be a lot of fun. Well, uh, Drew, how much time do you think we spent on that? I would say 40 minutes. Yeah, we're about 45 in. So... It's our 10th anniversary edition. We're going for it. We are usually our promise is to stay under an hour. That's not going to happen today. Uh, you know, get over it. It's uh, it's our 10th anniversary. Let us celebrate. Let us have fun. And exactly. And we won't go too far over an hour. So No, no. Yeah. We'll, we'll try our best. Um, before we uh, keep going, Drew, I need to get a charger for my laptop. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we get back, we will start our segment on this Sunday. Just want to point out, I did ask him before he started if he needed to go ahead and get his charger before he started. He said, nah, I should be good. So just want to point that's that out. A, that's a direct quote. Nah, I'll be good. <laughs> we'll be right back with uh, the meat of the conversation for this upcoming Sunday. All right, and we're back with considerable thought. You didn't even notice the break. But we are good. The computer is being charged. That's how fast Jaren is. I was so speedy. You know, eight episodes ago, Drew, I wouldn't dream of coming up here without uh, a charger. Because I'd be so scared that this wasn't going to go well. But people love the authenticity. That's right. They like the mess. Yes. They love this part. We have plenty of that. Yes. That's why they love the podcast. (laughs) Um, All right. So we are getting closer and closer to Easter, Drew. We're still in the middle of Lent. It's about to end. Uh, but what do we have going on this weekend at Care Church? Right, so Lent is is continuing on, and we're getting closer and closer to Holy Week, Palm Sunday through Easter. And uh, our theme for this season is from darkness to light. And so uh, this Sunday, we're thinking through Psalm one nineteen, uh, verses nine through sixteen. But the the title is from torn to tethered. Uh, and the idea is, as we go through life, we feel sometimes we feel as if we're torn or uh, we're disconnected from God, perhaps. And the, Lent is a season of repentance uh, for thinking about how we're turning, uh, continuing to turn toward God. And uh, so when we feel torn, what can we rely upon? What do we know about God that can help us stay tethered to God? Yeah, to uh, get us going on this conversation, I'm going to read uh, the entirety of Psalm 119. So uh, we're about to add about 10 more minutes to our podcast, but... Uh, I've promised to bail on this if that happens, so uh, no, we're not. Okay, we're just going to read a few verses uh, from the second stanza, really, of this psalm. And And so say a little bit about the psalm itself. I mean, the psalm... Yeah, before I'll set set the stage, sure. Psalm 119 is an acrostic uh, poem 
found in the Psalms, and it goes through the entire Hebrew alphabet. So a lot of times when we do acrostics when we're, when we're little, or even uh, those that, oh, that's mean. I'm acting like acrostics are only for, you know, Punishment. kids. Yeah. No, I mean, like, people do for it. training. Yeah, people yeah. do it legitimately. Yeah. Anyway, it's an acrostic. It's a but good exercise. No, it is. And instead of choosing, like, a word, like, a lot of times I did it when I was younger with my name, you know. And who is Jaren? Started with the letter J for the first line, A for the second line, R for the next one. Uh, but this one, it's the entire Hebrew alphabet. So it's like A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And each line of each stanza starts with the same letter. So you'll see this, for instance, like Psalm 34 is an acrostic and has 22 verses. And each verse is a uh, starts with the next letter in the Hebrew alphabet. But Psalm 119 does something a little bit different. Yes, it's eight of the same letter uh, for each stanza. So there's eight uh, lines. I believe it's eight or eight verses. And the first eight are all the A, pretty much, of Hebrew. So Aleph is the right. is the Hebrew letter. Then the second stanza is eight B words, which is Bet. So uh, do you know the Hebrew alphabet? Uh, I used to. Um, Did you? I still know it. Aleph, Bet, Gimel, Dalit, He, Vav, Zion, Het, Tet, Yod, Kof, Chof, Zion, Yet, Zion, Mem, Nun, Lamech, Lamech, Ayan, Pefe, Sade, Kuf, Resh, Sin, Shin, Tav. So that's what you were doing in your office this morning, rehearsing the Hebrew alphabet. No, that's I promise you that was off of. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. He didn't do that. So but this is this very is impressive. Thank you, thank you. Yeah. So this is the B of the Hebrew the alphabet. Bet. Bet. Yes, right. and so you actually see at the beginning of Psalm 19 it says, "All right, the next part is Bet, B E T H." So it's like Beth, but Bet. Right. Um, and I'm going to read it for us, and then Drew, you can talk about uh, what we're going to what we're trying to learn uh, from this psalm this upcoming weekend. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. So I'll jump right in and, and just start with that first line of this section of Psalm 119. And this is a question, uh, which you should like this, Jaron, yeah. questions. It's going to be in my top 10 in episode 20. <laughs> yeah, that sets up uh, the thought process in this section of every every verse that you just heard in Hebrew begins with the letter bet or, or B for our purpose. It helps us think about it that way. Uh, so the question is, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Uh, and so how can how can we stay connected with God? How can we stay live a life of purity uh, and uh, and stick with God as we go through life? And uh, you think about how you would teach young people or if you're a young person, how are you going to stay on the course? Or um, even no matter where we are in life, we're all still trying to stay on the course with God. And so this is the key question uh, for this section is how can that happen? And, and there's all these uh, kind of uh, follow, following up with that question, these different ways of talking about uh, God's word or God's law or God's precepts. It's just a, uh, there's different synonyms almost used to talk about this. Uh, but basically it's God's word and, and the Hebrew word for, for word is debar. And it's this idea of, it's both kind of written and spoken. It's this ongoing revelation from God to us. And so there's this implied idea that we're always learning more about God's word for us. And so that's a key part of this. And and so God's word is actually what can uh, keep us tethered to God. Uh, you know, we can trust that God will give us what we need to stay tethered to him. Uh, for those of us who may be thinking about starting that journey or 
uh, committing their life to God. You can trust that God's going to give us what we need to stay connected, to stay tethered. And it's summed up by this idea of word, that mm-hmm. God gives us his words, his word to help us stay connected. And during our, our breakout time, uh, when we have uh, times to dive deeper into and ask some questions, you're actually going to around the table talk about the differences between all of these synonyms, right? When you have right. word and statutes and precepts and decrees, is there a reason why all those words are, are different? Is there something that, that triggers a different thought or emotion or understanding in your mind when you hear it differently? So, uh, but they all go back to, as you're saying, Drew, it's that source of remaining tethered. So I just wanted to throw that in there just to save some time on the back end for this podcast, uh, mention a little bit of what's going to be happening around our tables later on. Yeah, that's a great connection to the breakouts. And, uh, and, and we'll spend time in the teaching part of Sunday thinking through this idea of word and, uh, and how it's developed throughout Scripture as it becomes laws and commands and precepts and, uh, and even in the New Testament with, uh, with Jesus' teaching. And, and so uh, this idea of word, that's what helps us stay tethered to God is so important. And, uh, and, and then what we do with that word uh, is also kind of summed up in the psalm. You know, we hide it in our hearts. Yeah. We meditate on it. We rejoice in it. And, and so there's all these different ideas. Uh, and one of the layers to this that I like is uh, it's easy for us sometimes to think of our following of God's commands and almost let it become prideful. Um, I see it happen, uh, and I try to avoid it in my own life, is to not ever be in a place where I'm prideful about something like this. And so I like the the way the psalm is laid out. And so, for instance, uh, I hide your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. And uh, not that there's intention to sin, but this idea of humility is that, you know, I trust you, not myself. That That's where our trust is put. And I think that's important as we think about how to follow this, is never to get to a place where we're self righteous or we think of ourselves as better than others or even prideful in our own uh, humility, uh, which is an interesting place to be. But uh, right. anyway, I, my college roommate was potluck freshman year. Uh-huh. And when we met each other, we just were talking and uh, he said, what's what's the best thing about you? And I was like, I, you know, I was kind of stumped. Nothing I think about. I mean, where do I start really? You know? that's, yeah, that's yeah. Right. yeah that's uh, but I didn't say. know what to say really. And so he said, well, the best thing about me is that I'm humble. And so I just, my, my first thought was, okay, well, then you just canceled that out. If, if your if you're best thing that you're proudest of about yourself is that you're humble, you're not humble. Yeah. Anyway, quick detour, but I think it's important to stay humble in our approach to following God's words. Yeah, we always uh, have something that we can learn. Uh, I, one of the things that I'm passionate about, I don't know if someone instilled it in me or not, or just uh, my natural curiosity, but I am really committed to be a lifelong learner, and I want people all around me to feel the same exact way. That's on. That's in all things in our life, but especially when it comes to God's word and his decrees and his laws and his precepts, we are constantly learning more about how does it keep us tethered. And so one of the other questions that we're going to ask around our tables is, what is that thing about God or his word um, or following him that you still need to learn? And maybe it's something that you're already learning, but you're trying to grow in. And so that's something that if we're always uh, trying to stay humble and have this position of we still have more to do, we still have more to learn, uh, uh, we're still trying to be transformed uh, more and more. What are those things that we need to learn still or that we are currently learning right now? So that's going to be another question that hopefully will stem some good conversation. Uh, during the breakouts. That's a great thought and something I'll come back to in a minute when we uh, talk about how the story shapes us is this idea of of learning. And so just kind of real quick for this section, thinking about Sunday, uh, as you think about what laws are you meditating on? What laws are you trying to hide in your heart? 
trying to think about where I'm going to go with this and, and where you would go with this, because there's a lot of different places you could probably go in Scripture, uh, think about what laws, what commands. Uh, there's a lot of them. So where do we go to actually, where, which one should we focus on and actually meditate on and try to guess where you think I'll go and maybe think about where you would go if you were to kind of choose what area to kind of zero in on as the word or the law or the command that we should be hiding in our hearts. And so uh, that's something to just anticipate Sunday with by thinking through. Uh, a question we always like to ask is, how does this story shape us or how how can it shape us? Yeah, we use that that question to talk a little bit more about words you've heard us say on the podcast multiple times, belief and behavior. We talk about this every week uh, in private because we want to try to get the essence and the focus of the entire Sunday morning experience. We want to get down to just a few words, right? Uh, Just a sentence or two, because if we can have that sort of laser focus, we think that we can get uh, deeper and deeper and have more depth in these conversations and the conversations on Sunday. So, Drew, how would you describe uh, the types of beliefs and behaviors that we want to be produced because of our time spent in Psalm 119? Yeah, I've already said this uh, in some ways, but the belief that we need to have, it kind of gets back to the idea that God is faithful, um, that God, uh, uh, we can trust God. And so the belief is God has given us a way to actually stay on course. So that question, how can we stay uh, on the path of purity? How can we keep going, keep staying on God's path for us or or God's path in life? And uh, first of all, we need to believe and know and trust that God has given us ways to stay on course, uh, ways to stay tethered. Uh, when I think of tethered, I think of, uh, you know, maybe someone in space going out on a spacewalk and they're tethered uh, to the space station or the space shuttle. And it probably happens way less than I actually imagine happening. I'm thinking of science fiction movies. and right. uh, But, you know, this idea of being kind of out in space and sometimes in life we feel that way. We feel disconnected or where are we? It's, uh, it's all meaningless, perhaps, or... Uh, there's all I can see is the darkness, but God's words are the tethers that we have that we can find and hold on to and, and, and find our way back to God. And so um, the belief is just that God has given us a way through his words uh, to stay on course, uh, to tether us. That's the belief. Yeah, that makes sense. And I'm, uh, that gave me a great idea for the image of this episode. That image of someone spacewalking being tethered is uh, is a great one. Uh, I think that that brings a lot of understanding just immediately, just having that picture uh, in my in my mind. And what about the behavior? As we go into breakouts, uh, we're trying to get closer and closer to action. And so what's what's this song calling us to do? So for me, uh, as I think about this, and, and this will give you a little bit of a, a hint toward where I'm going to go is what laws we should meditate on or, or, or hide in our hearts. But uh, we're in this um, journey. We're trying to stay on the path. And as you mentioned, being a lifelong learner, I think that's such a huge thing as we try to be a lifelong learner of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is the embodiment of God. Jesus is the embodiment of God's word, God, God's words for us. And so that's where we go to think about, okay, God has given us what we need to stay tethered to God. And so the behavior is to embody the way of Jesus. Uh, embodies is, is a good word. I mean, it takes something that is invisible and you live in a certain way to make that visible. Um, that's what Jesus has done for us with God, and that's what we are called to do in our life, is to embody the way of Jesus, to be lifelong learners of Jesus, to memorize Jesus, to hide Jesus's commands in our hearts. Uh, I think that's the behavior that we adopt so that we can make sure that we're staying tethered to God. That's a great foundation for us, and let's just move right into the conversation that we're going to be having around these tables after we've heard this message once again on Sunday morning. Um, the, the warm-up question 
that we can uh, briefly talk about, Drew, to get us into this idea of staying pure, uh, especially the first line in our youth, I think is the word that's that's used. Right. Um, though staying on the path of purity or just the path at all is hard no matter what age you are. But gives me a good uh, end for this question, which is how do you stay out of trouble in your youth? Um, and this is uh, more, I don't know, I'm less trying to look for deep insights and more looking for just a fun way to talk about what are some things that you consciously consciously had to do when you were young so that you wouldn't get in trouble? Uh, I don't know if you have something on your mind. I'll start. One of the first things that uh, that comes to my mind uh, are, uh, you know, the people I hung out with. So there, there are certain people that I know if I were going to spend too much time with them, uh, I would get in trouble probably. <laughs> you know, so if I want to stay out of trouble, I need to stay away from this group at certain times. Some people say that nothing good ever happens after, you know, midnight. Nothing good ever happens after 2 a.m. I don't know, the time changes over and over. But sometimes there's a timing, like a certain place and time where if you can stay away from those places or those times, you can sometimes stay out of trouble. And then my mom would always say, I think you even say this to your kids about uh, just simply just don't be stupid. And so you have like almost a filter that you run things through and that that helps you stay out of trouble. That's my life. Anything that you had to do when you were younger to stay out of trouble? Yeah, I mean, you ended with it. At least one of them is uh, is don't be an idiot. Um, and, you know, oh, was that the word of choice? Yeah, idiot. And so okay. uh, I, I do use that with my kids. It's like I mean, it's just I mean, it gets right to the point. It's just, you know, don't be an idiot. You know, and uh, which gets back to this place of wisdom, right? You know, and so don't put yourself in situations where, like you described, you know, uh, something bad can happen. Just avoid the locations where something bad can happen. And so for me, very similar to what you said early on. It was maybe kind of words or, or teachings from my parents. Then it became who I hung out with. I knew that certain people were similar to me and that they didn't want to get into a bunch of trouble. And I knew that depending on where I was or who I was with, that you yeah. know, was going to happen. Uh, as you get older, you, you, you hopefully start, for me, I started thinking about, uh, again, this idea of learning Jesus. And it's been, an, I'm not there yet where it's all the time, but, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, where is Jesus working? How can I join him? What uh, Where is the Spirit leading or guiding and so that's where i'm trying to get right now is to to think through those thoughts to help me stay out of trouble we use this as an opening question to make the connection to uh this passage once again that we're if we are wanting to stay on the path uh, that's something we talked about briefly before the podcast is you can't make people want to be on that path that's right but if you're in the position where you know that there is a path that you need to be on and that god has set that path for you and for all of his creation and his children, there is a way for you to stay on that path. And so um, we have this word, this decree to keep us tethered to it. And so that's just an opening to talk a little bit more about Psalm 119. There are a few questions that are going to go uh, you know, through your tables and hope you have time for. Questions that have to do with the nature of the psalm being an acrostic. And talk about how would you describe, just for fun, how would you describe uh, your spiritual life or your connection? to God with one word that starts with the letter B, kind of using that uh, connection with bet uh, in this poem. So that'd be a fun kind of creative conversation. Um, Questions about the differences between all those words, uh, decrees, laws, statutes, precepts. What do those, uh, how do those speak to you? Um, Do you think they mean something slightly differently? Is there one that that connects better with you? Um, And then the thing I mentioned earlier, the things that you're still trying to learn. And then as always, we're going to ask, how does it connect to Lent? How is this getting us closer and closer to Easter? And be willing to hear those around your table talk about what does Psalm 119 mean to their Lent journey? 
So that, we're not going to go over those any further uh, because we spent so much time on the top 10, but we are going to do our featured question. So Drew, what's our featured question for uh, this week? Our featured question is this. How does Jesus set an example of staying connected to God or staying tethered to God? Yeah, and that's uh, that gets right to the point. There's, I'm, I'm trying to always have one question in each breakout guide that's just simply, all right, so how? Like, you know, what are we looking at? What's our example? How are we supposed to do this? If uh, God's word and his commands are that uh, agent of tethering, and we look to see how did Jesus uh, show this, there's a, there are two things that come to my mind immediately. Um, one is the fact that every situation he seemed to be in, uh, scripture was on the tip of his tongue. And so I think sometimes at least young people, I'm going to speak on behalf of my high, middle school and high school students for a second, we don't have a concept of time uh, and uh, where the Bible and certain scriptures land in the timeline of the story of Jesus. So we go, oh, Jesus is in the Bible, so he doesn't have a Bible. But then we go, okay, Jesus is in the New Testament, so he obviously doesn't have the New Testament. So the things that we quote from Paul, it's not like Jesus is quoting those things. He's always thinking about the Hebrew Bible. And if we believe that Jesus was human and came uh, in the flesh, then there are things that he did physically to stay connected to his father. And one of those things was actually spending time in the word. You, you see uh, Jesus as a young teenager in Luke, spending time in the temple, trying to stay connected to the teachings of that day. You see Jesus going off uh, in private for prayer constantly. You see him surrounded by a small group of people at all times that have a like-minded mission. Just countless things that Jesus is doing, and I can't think of all of them. And so to have our tables talk a little bit about uh, how did Jesus stay connected? Drew, I, I touched on a few very quickly. Are there any that come to your mind, an example that you see Jesus setting for us to, to stay tethered? Absolutely. No, I would just, you, you summed up many of the big ones. Yeah, I, mean, I, I just did a quick No, that's great. Through, I mean, he was, he, he, he was hiding the words in his heart. You know, he was living them out. He was speaking them. He was uh, getting a way to pray. We see that a lot, you know. And, and Jesus had a way of, because of all that, uh, keeping what's most important, most important. Uh, and I think yep. that's a key for me is there's a lot of good things that we, we do, but what's most important, how do we keep that most important? Sometimes yep. the urgent replaces uh, what is actually the best. And so uh, I just I love that about Jesus too, as he used all those things to kind of stay on track about what's most important in life. Yeah, that's uh, well said. Uh, I remember someone, uh, a teacher of mine or maybe a preacher saying, uh, if you want to be like Jesus, know your Bible. He just said that, just, just you know, very, uh, uh, you know, bluntly. If you want to know Jesus, or you want to be like Jesus, know your Bible, because Jesus is one that knew the Bible very well. Uh, yeah, we have a whole other testament, uh, you know, at our disposal. Um, but if we can even take any sort of scripture and know it the way that Jesus committed to knowing it, um, we're going to become more and more connected and tethered to God and more and more like Jesus. Uh, and I love the, yeah. You're right, Jesus had a way of making, prioritizing things and knowing exactly where almost the heart and will of God was in those those certain moments. Right. Went for yes. us. Uh, this, that feature question connects really well with our challenge this week. Um, we want to end our conversation around tables with something to go and do, uh, a challenge, a mission of sorts, so we can keep this transformation process going. Um, the challenge this week is in a small group, 
um, pick an attribute of Jesus to embody. Run everything you say, everything you do through a filter, that filter of Jesus's attribute. Do not just study this attribute, become it. And uh, I wrote at the end, experience or participate in a week of blank. Whatever that attribute is that, uh, that you want to embody, that Jesus already has and Jesus embodies, um, become that this week and make it a week of listening, a week of mercy, a week of forgiveness. Uh, Drew, do you have any other comments on how maybe you see this challenge connecting with uh, the psalm? Yeah, I mean, that, that gives us uh, more insight as to kind of direction I'm going with it when we think about uh, the laws that we're supposed to be meditating on, hiding our hearts, are, are deeply and intricately connected with Jesus. And so uh, Jesus becomes the law for us. In fact, in Matthew, it's uh, as Matthew tells the story of Jesus, he wants us to see Jesus as Torah. Right. Um, Jesus is the one we follow. His words are the ones we adopt and obey. And so uh, I think that's uh, that's the connection between uh, Psalm 119 and hiding God's words, meditating on God's laws and putting them in our hearts and delighting in them. It's, 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 we see that embodied in Jesus. And so uh, that's the connection and why uh, thinking about what of Jesus we want to emulate this week helps us live out Psalm 119. Yeah, the Christian faith is a faith of embodiment. Uh, the churchy word is incarnation, right? right? It's, a, um, it's taking an idea of some sort, an idea is probably not the right word, but uh, a value and uh, putting some meat and bones and flesh on it right, and living it out. So that's what we're going to commit to this week, and we're going to hope that our conversation with Psalm 119 and our worship service on Sunday morning will help us get closer and closer to a new uh, lifestyle and a new week of whatever, a week of Jesus, really, is what it comes down to. Additionally, we're still reminding uh, our listeners and everyone in our church to continue praying for that one person or that one family that you want to potentially introduce Jesus to. Um, and maybe they know who Jesus is, but you want to start a journey with them, a community of faith. Uh, you want to be a part of that in this person's life. And so throughout Lent, if you gave something up, hopefully every time you're reminded of that thing, you're praying for that person or those people. And we're closer and closer to Easter, which means it's almost time for hopefully um, some, uh, for lack of a better word, uh, fruit to come out of this time of sacrifice and this time of prayer. That's it for this week's uh, episode of Conservable Thought. Episode 10 was a long one, but it was a good one. And I'm really excited uh, for people to hear this and for uh, us to hear your feedback on maybe the top 10 list and maybe some things that you would have us do every now and then. Uh, we have Before Sunday is kind of an open segment that we just like to talk about how really our, our, our personal lives interact with our professional lives, which in a way it's just our our lives yeah it's just our lives and uh how does our uh you know our faith influence both those both those spheres and so uh write in call in contact us with what you would like to see us talk about on that segment but and sometimes long means bad and sometimes long long means good i feel like we packed a lot of content into this uh this podcast and uh and different parts of it will be more meaningful or less meaningful to our listeners but um, it's a good journey to, to go on, uh, to think about your top 10 lines and then spending time with a Psalm as well. Yeah. And you can either like binge on Netflix or you can listen to our podcast. So I feel like that's a, it's an easy pick. Oh, right? ab absolutely. Yeah. Who wants, who needs Netflix when they have us? That's right. Thank you. That's our new catchphrase. Yeah. 
uh, next week is Palm Sunday, so it's going to be a special episode of uh, Considerable Thought. I say special, it's it's going to be another episode. They're all special. Yeah, exactly. But we are going to be talking about uh, John chapter 12, which is the narrative uh, of Palm Sunday. It's right. the story of Jesus uh, going into Jerusalem the week before uh, his death. So uh, come back and listen to us. Then, Drew, any final thoughts? No, it's just John 12, 12 through 19. And uh, the title, as just a way to th- start thinking about it, is From King to King. Interesting. From King to King. Find out more next week on Considerable Thought. If you can't wait that long uh, to see us or interact with this community, Sundays at 10 a.m., Care Church experience uh, worship together um, around tables, both in our auditorium and our breakouts. Come and talk about Psalm 119 with us. Until next time, take care.